Well, just ahead of remembering the death of the Lord Jesus for us, I want us to look together at the parable or story that Jesus tells here at the end of Matthew 18. I encourage you to have your Bible open and to engage with God's Word today as we think about this passage for a few moments. And this is a great parable to consider on this Communion Sunday as we, in a few moments' time, approach the table of the Lord Jesus. Because not only does it help us to understand what it is that we're remembering today, the forgiveness that we have found from God through the sacrifice of His Son, the Lord Jesus. It also helps us to know how we should live as God's redeemed people, as those who have become God's people in Christ. And like many of the parables of the Lord Jesus, it's told in response to a question. Look again at verse 21, and this is Peter, probably the best known of the disciples, in many ways the spokesman of the disciples who asks this question of the Lord Jesus. He asks, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Up to seven times. And in many ways, that's, that's a question that reveals an attitude. It's good that Peter is thinking about forgiveness. It's, it's really good that he asks this question of the Lord Jesus. It's a question that is probably prompted by what's already happened in this chapter. If you look back at verse 15, there Jesus is teaching about how we treat a brother who sins against us. But the thing is, for Peter, forgiveness has its limits. What he's effectively asking is, what's the maximum amount I need to forgive someone? And in actual fact, at this time, many of the rabbis, the religious teachers, they reckoned that three was the maximum amount of times you needed to forgive. So, Peter probably felt quite pleased with himself. He, he maybe thought that he was going to, impre to impress the Lord Jesus as he went and as he upped it from three to seven. Look at me. I'm willing to forgive up to seven times. And yet, look at Jesus' answer in verse 22. He says to Peter, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Or because Matthew is taking the Aramaic that Jesus spoke, and then he's translating that into Greek in his gospel, in the language we're, we're not entirely sure, perhaps Jesus was even saying here, that it should be 70 times 7. Either way, Jesus' point is absolutely clear, isn't it? You cannot set a limit on forgiveness. And to reinforce His point, Jesus then tells this story in, in verses 23 to 34. And for us today, the key to understanding this parable of the Lord Jesus is to realize the amounts of money that the Lord is talking about when He mentions the debts, so that the first debt is the one that is owed to the king by one of his servants, 
in verse 24, and Jesus mentions the total. He tells us it's 10,000 talents. And what we need to understand today is that the amount that Jesus mentioned here was a vast fortune. In today's money, it would represent tens of millions of pounds. So, we're getting into Elon Musk and Bill Gates territory here. So much so that maybe as you hear this story and as you understand this amount, you conclude, well, that, that's a pretty stupid story. Because let's face it, a servant could never rack up that amount of debt. So, this isn't that realistic. But this is what the parables of Jesus were like. Jesus tended to use hyperbole or exaggeration to really make His point. And certainly, when He mentioned 10,000 talents, that would have got the disciples' full attention. In fact, you can almost imagine the disciples smiling at the crazy amount of money that Jesus mentions in His telling of the story. And here's the bottom line. This is a debt that this servant could never, ever pay. In the story that Jesus tells, there is absolutely no way in which this servant could have met and settled a debt like that. So, what point is Jesus making? Well, I want you to look again at how Jesus introduces this story, the parable that He tells in verse 23. He starts it with these words, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like. Jesus told this story to teach us eternal things, to teach us deep spiritual things. And here's what Jesus is telling us, and it is such a crucial truth to be reminded of today as we meet together around the table of the Lord Jesus on this Communion Sunday. He's reminding us that we are accountable to God. After all, God made us. He's given us the gift of life. We know Him to be the King of the universe. And all of us, without exception, all of us carry a massive debt of sin to the point that it makes us totally deserving of God's judgment and His punishment. It separates us from Him forever. And this is a massive debt. You could never deal with it. You could never pay it by yourself. So, we need to read on and find real encouragement and hope in what happens next. Because I'm being told that he's about to be sent to prison. Here's the, the reaction of the servant in verse 26. Jesus tells us, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And you can see that in his desperation, he's making promises that are impossible to keep. There's no way that he can do this. 
But I want you to think about the grace that there is in this story. Because this servant begs for a second chance, but he is given so, so much more. Because look at what happens in verse 27. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Now, that is much more than a second chance, because the debt is removed, and this servant, he is set free. And people, there is the gospel. There is what God has done for His people in Christ, and it's what we remember, it's what we give thanks for today. When it comes to our debt of sin, which is one that we could never, ever pay or deal with ourselves, that debt could not just be written off. A holy God cannot just disregard and ignore sin. It goes against His nature. For God, sin needs to be dealt with. Sin needs to be punished. It had to be paid in full. And that's exactly what happened at the cross. That's exactly what the Lord Jesus did for us. The Bible talks about how Jesus going to the cross was the case of the righteous for the unrighteous. And I wonder today, do you believe that? Because it's by believing this, it's by believing in the one who went to the cross that your debt is paid and you receive this complete forgiveness from God. And today, if you believe, and if you're approaching this sacrament, this table as a believer, are you grateful? And I mean, are you really grateful when you think about the debt that has been paid in your life? I think about that chorus we've sung at times here in Connor. We sing, He paid the debt He did not owe. I own the debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away, and now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, the whole day long. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. This servant of the King receives mercy that helps us to understand the wonderful forgiveness that we receive from God and Christ. But then, this story takes a real twist. It turns out that this servant was in turn owed a debt by one of his fellow servants. And again, again, the amount owed is important. Jesus mentions it there in verse 28. It is a hundred denarii. And that's not just a few quid. It would be equivalent to about three months' wages. So, a fairly significant amount of money. But and this is the key thing. This is the thing that I want you to keep in your mind today. This is absolutely nothing compared to the vast debt this man had owed the king. And yet, listen again to what Jesus 
tells us about how this man treats his fellow servant. Look at verse 28. We're told that he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Does that sound familiar? And he said, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And as we hear that story of Jesus, just instinctively, we know that is also wrong. A man who was shown such mercy, who had been released from such a huge debt, showed absolutely no mercy when demanding a much smaller one. And we know that is wrong. And his fellow servants knew that was wrong, so much so that they reported this to the king in verse 31. And when the king heard, he knew that it was wrong. Listen again to his damning words in verses 32 and 33. He said, you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And Jesus tells us that this master had his servant put in prison until the, the debt that he could pay or the debt that he owed could be paid. Well, today as we come to this table, I hope the point that Jesus is making in this story is not lost on you. We need to read and understand this story in the context of the whole gospel. All that Jesus teaches, all that the Scripture tells us about salvation, and it's not the case that our willingness to forgive others is what then earns us forgiveness from God. Remember that the, the forgiveness and mercy that we receive from the Lord is because of His grace. It's because of what His Son was willing to do for us at the cross. But this story is clear, and the whole of the Bible is so clear that if we have truly experienced God's forgiveness in Christ, we cannot be unforgiving towards others. So, how do we sum up Jesus' teaching in this parable? Well, Jesus is telling us a forgiven person should be a forgiving person. The, the writer and pastor Alistair Begg puts it like this. Speaking of those who have found this forgiveness in Christ, he says, it's impossible to extend genuine forgiveness unless we have experienced it ourselves, and impossible not to do so if we have. And as you come to this table of grace, to remember what Jesus went through, what Jesus sacrificed for your forgiveness. Think about your attitudes to others. 
Because one of the greatest demonstrations that you have truly repented of your sins and have been forgiven by God is your willingness to show forgiveness to others. And there is a flip side to that. It's a flip side that we must consider that if we continually bear grudges, if we are constantly getting into fights and and squabbles with people, if we feel bitterness towards others, if we ignore people or we fail to forgive, it really calls into question whether we have genuinely received God's forgiveness in our life. But as we come to the end, you might say, well, Philip, it's okay for you to say that, but you have absolutely no idea what I have come through in my life. You have absolutely no idea how someone has hurt me or how someone treats me badly or the way that someone has it in for me in my life. And I know that today for a small number of people here, you will have been hurt in terrible ways. And it must be very difficult for you to forgive, but forgive you must. But I actually reckon that for the vast majority of us, and I count myself in this majority, that we have not been wronged nearly as badly as we imagine that we tend to take offense far too easily. We tend to bear grudges and hold grudges for far too long. But today, as we come to the table of grace, and ultimately, as we come to the cross of Christ, well, we see what forgiveness cost. So that when you're struggling to forgive someone, Take a moment to think about what God has forgiven you. Take a moment to think about what that forgiveness cost. Think about the debt that has been paid for you, the mercy that has been shown to you, What a Savior we have. What forgiveness is found at the cross? A forgiven person should be a forgiving person. Amen.